Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Welcome everyone to our Lead to Succeed podcast where we have Vivek Iyani with us today. He'll be making the introduction in just a second. Um, but I'd like to give him a bit of background because um, Vivek is a millennial specialist and he has seven fundamental steps to engaging millennials. And we need to remember that they are the largest generation in the workforce. So this is for all of you who are running your businesses and recruiting millennials and wanting to know how to engage and work with millennials in the very best way. Would that be a fair introduction, Vivek? Yes, Rebecca, that would be pretty fair. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, what, when, I, when I think about millennials, we are not really that different from any other generations. It's just that the expectations have changed along the way. So once we get to know those expectations on a deeper level, I believe that everyone, every generation can work well together and not feel misunderstood at the workplace. That is a bit of a myth, isn't it? That millennials yeah. are uh, um, not understood. But anyway, let's kick off. Thank cool. you. Yeah, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Very looking forward to uh, having a conversation and hearing your thoughts on, uh, on everything millennials and leadership. Um, yeah. So I guess like getting into the first question, what would you say is your sort of like best experience of like really good leadership, whether that's with a millennial, whether that's with one of your colleagues or someone, uh, someone's book you've read, what was like great leadership look like to you? Yeah, the, you know, the memory that comes back to me when I think of a great leadership was back when I was, I think, 18 or 19 years old, uh, when I was enlisted in the army, right? And of course, um, when we are in the army, the, the way they treat us is basically on with directives right they give you orders and they get you to do things and being part of the leadership team or the leadership school where they were training us to become sergeants right uh, there were different leaders around right uh, different platoons as we call it and each leader had a platoon and and they also had a section and i still remember this leader his name is james we call him uh, fondly Sergeant James, even till today, uh, right? Even though his rank has gone up, right? We call him Sergeant James because he was one leader who really took the time to have conversations with us. He took the time to sit down and have chats with us. Uh, he never used vulgarities, which is pretty common in an army setting. And he was very, very patient with us. And he never actually lost his temper and his school. So here we had someone who was very out of the typical leadership, uh, you know, kind of style, right? Everyone was shouting, giving out punishments, do push-ups, do sit-ups and this and that. And here he was, he still gave out those punishments, but he did it in a, okay, uh, this is time for you to do your punishments. He did it a nice way, right? And that was the best leadership because I felt like this person really cared. He really cared. He wasn't there to abuse his power or his rank. He really wanted to push us in the right direction and at the same time, get things done. So I think uh, that was a really, really good experience for me as uh, someone who was in a very 
a stressful situation because this is all about life and death, right? So how do leaders bring out the best in you? That was that was one of those uh, memories that I still treasure till today. And do you think that that is what makes a great leader of millennials? Do you think there is a style of leadership that gets the most out of millennials? And is that it? Yeah, I you know, one thing I believe is that, you know, um, millennials are a little different in the sense that they have different expectations. And um, that is where, you know, the friction comes in, because when the older generations have had a certain way of doing things, and then you have this uh, millennials who have come in and say, why don't we do it this way? And then they have different lingo they use, or they have uh, different ideas that they want to suggest then you know, it becomes a very new and a novel way of doing things. So there's risk involved, right? So it's up to the leader to then really listen to what this person has to offer and see how they can leverage the strengths. So if it's new and, and you know, young people, they are usually buzzing with ideas, buzzing with, this is what I think we can do. Let's try this out. Uh, that's where you know, leaders, if they actually listen really well, they can actually make the best out of what this person has to contribute because to be honest uh, as a young person who's entering the workforce like the gen z's are right now uh, they may not have a lot of experience they may not have a lot of network to contribute but they have a lot of ideas they have a lot of enthusiasm a lot of energy so leaders can actually take the best out of uh, these young people by you know forming that relationship being open to ideas and letting them do things their way first see if it works if it doesn't then at least get into an understanding that if it doesn't work your way, let's do it the way that has already already been working until now, right? So having that kind of coaching slash mentoring aspect to leadership as opposed to the command and control type is really, really important, um, especially when dealing with the millennials and the Gen Zs, because that's what they have been exposed to from all the authority figures that they have been interacting with. Their parents have been much more softer than the parenting styles that baby boomers and Gen Xers have faced, right? So when they, uh, they the teachers have been more uh, like, a, how can I help you succeed? The school counselors have been, like, how can we help you get into a better school, right? So all of these adult figures for the younger generation have been like a mentor to them. So they expect the kind of same treatment from the leaders who are there in the workforce. So that's the only uh, main difference that I see that you know needs to be bridged. To what extent do you think that perhaps like warmer uh, approach to leadership where, you know, your, your sergeant in the army gave you a bit, like took time to kind of really understand you, like didn't lose his cool and things like that. And you just mentioned um, around, you know, millennials having these perhaps, I don't want to say soft, but like a, perhaps like a more warm approach to leadership. Like to what extent do you think that's like really one of the most important leadership traits when you're working with millennials? Yeah, I, I, I do feel that, you know, um, the culture has changed drastically. So today we have startups that has uh, environments where people have open office settings. People are very informal with one another, right? So last time, you know, that, you know, if you're a leader, you get your own room. <laughs> and that's like, that's the designation of your rank and your power and your authority and your, and your leadership. 
right? But today, millennials are actually much more comfortable with people who are more informal, chilled out, relaxed, um, and they don't look at rank as something. They just look at it as responsibilities, right? So the way they carry themselves, the way the leaders carry themselves, um, have to change a little bit in order to, to engage with the younger generation because the younger generation is all about, okay, can I trust this person? Uh, can I be open with this person? Do I have that psychological safety that, that I would like to be uh, you know, uh, motivated by this person in this organization? So having that warmth, having that uh, ability to connect right on a deeper level is so important. So having those friendships, is so so important for millennials to be able to open up and you know to for the team to actually work really well together what do you think is the best way for a company or like a leader in a company to sort of build uh, that kind of culture where it's like warm there are friendships you know you can start to trust people and so on what do you think is the best way to kind of, to kind of build that culture yeah you know this um the thing is we have whatever we do we have to institutionalize it right so we can go for a training program you can learn all the concepts but if you don't put it into practice and if you don't put it make it as part of the system nothing will stick right so how do you make things sticky so first is uh, the hr can of course uh, look into policies where we can have ideas such as reverse mentoring be a part of uh, the onboarding process so all the newcomers will get a mentor right and they also have a chance to share whatever ideas they have as a as a young comer right you can also look into getting buddy systems within the organization so that that people can understand one another now in today's case where everyone's being onboarded virtually can have anxiety parties right where people can come online and share what are the anxieties that they are going through so that they don't feel lonely they don't feel like they are out of place right so there are so many different things you can do. I, in my book, I actually outlined the seven fundamentals that leaders can look into to engage with the younger generation. I talk about the, the first thing, which is fulfillment, right? So millennials really like to have a bigger purpose, a bigger meaning, right? Because they've kind of grown up in a pretty solid uh, setting. Their childhood was pretty well taken care of. They didn't really have to worry about uh, putting food on the table while they were young. They didn't have to have those kind of concerns. So they grew up uh, pretty well off. And now as they are in the workforce, right, for them, they are looking for something more than money. So fulfillment is about how can I do work that also contributes back to society. Second thing is fun, right? So as startups have, uh, you know, come into the space, we they are already comparing, right? They're comparing, okay, should I join the startup or should I join the MNC, right? And they're seeing which kind of a work environment is much more suitable, right? And which one has more uh, benefits and perks. So the old school kind of benefits like medical, dental, that's not going to really motivate the younger generation because that was like the basics. But what we can do as organizations is to provide more options that is catering to different generations at different life stages. So, so for millennials, for them, maybe insurance is not the most important thing. Maybe option to travel, maybe having stock options, different kinds of things would be more appealing. So having the ability to mix and match different things would be really cool. So that's the fun aspect of it. The third one is friendships, like I mentioned earlier, can organizations really look into creating more friendships and building bonds together? So as a leader, right, how are you ensuring that, you know, you get to know 
your uh, direct report on a deeper level, right? So are you guys hanging out outside of work? Last time, work is work, play is play. But today, the concept is kind of uh, intermingled. So we do work and we work, play together. That's that's what the startups are doing as well, right? So you see them you know, talking about work on social media, right? This has also become a part of employer branding. Another thing we can look into is uh, what uh, the managers can do is called frequent feedback, right? So the annual performance review is not going to work with the millennials, right? They are so used to instant uh, communication, instant feedback. So they would really like managers to give them, you know, in a way, appreciation and affirmation that they are going on the right track. And when they feel like they're, they don't know, they, they, if they feel like their manager is a little hands off, they tend to feel a lot of anxiety. So having more check-ins, having more uh, conversations, even if they are short five minute conversations or 15 minute weekly check-ins, this actually helps them to feel more confident that they are on the right track. Another thing is about forward framework, which is your con career conversations. What kind of career conversations are you having with your direct reports? Are you helping them to map out their career, what they would like to be doing in the next few years? Because honestly, at that stage, they are still figuring out what they really want, right? And having more and more options really helps them. So having these conversations help them feel much more confident in this. And lastly, it's about freedom, right? Which is how you can be more uh, flexible in getting people to work from home. So we are talking about, we are seeing a lot of things like the great uh, you know, resignation because people don't want to go back into the workplace. So how can we ensure that you know, we are more flexible when we are working with uh, people who have become kind of used to working from home? Uh, oh, one more thing, uh, it's about futuristic. So is the leader leaning towards having what we call a tech-enabled mindset. That means you're leaning towards technology, you're willing to try out new technology if it allows you to be more productive. So I hope I've covered all the seven fundamentals that will help to really engage with the younger generation. Yeah. That, that's um, a stack of uh, fundamentals. So thank you. And you know, one thing that struck um, a thought with me was there will be millennials in the army and the army is a very much a control and command environment you had James who wasn't in that way and then you use the word punishment which means god that sounds so outdated that word doesn't it in in a yeah. um in a sort of a, a working environment so do you think the army are going to have to adapt to many of these methods I mean imagine the army having an anxiety party <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So this is interesting because yes, yesterday I had a session with the Singapore police force and they were so intrigued by the fact that, you know, um, moving forward, that command and control style is not really working. So um, there's recently been some cases where, you know, some of the new recruits uh, have actually um, uh, committed suicide, right? And they're from the police force because they can't handle the pressure. And it became national news as well, right? So they are realizing that you know the resilience of this generation may not be as tough they may not be as tough as the older older generations and they're realizing that you know the leadership styles have to be a little bit more adaptive to what they are more comfortable with and they are actually exploring reverse mentoring as a way to really engage with the younger generation and so to and also to build them up 
from the ground up, right? To understand that I need to start from you instead of expecting you to start from where I expect you to be, right? So having these things doesn't mean that it is a weakening. It, in fact, it's about having empathy. It's about really understanding what they need and then allowing them to build up from there. So let's take reverse mentoring. Could you share some examples where that's worked really well and what does that actually look like? So let's say we've got a leader listening um, to this podcast. They've got some millennials in their business. They like the idea of reverse mentoring. What do they do and how do you get it to work successfully? Yeah. So when you're looking into having a reverse mentoring, the first thing you need to do is to have an audit of the people in your team. Right. That's the step number one. So you have to see who is really good at what, right? So have a good audit. So there will be people who are from the baby boomer generations, people from the Gen X, millennials and Gen Zs right now. So when you do an audit, you will notice that some people have certain strengths that other people don't. So for example, if someone is really good at presentation skills, right? And that is something that's lacking in some of the other younger uh, members, right? So let's say someone from the baby boomer generation, really good at presentation skills, or maybe the quality of the work he produces is really good, right? Having an audit and understanding this person is good at that and someone is not, it's a good way to start matching these people up, right? And at the same time, if you see that someone's really good at social media, right, and engagement with people on the online platforms, and then someone else is not within the team, so you match them up based on the skills that they have and the skills that they are lacking, right? And then uh, let them uh, have uh, regular touch-ins on a maybe monthly or a weekly basis so that they can learn from one another. So reverse mentoring means there's no hierarchy involved. It's like I learn from you and you learn from me as well, right? So we teach each other the skills so that we can grow our competencies together. The beauty of this is that Unlike a training program, which you attend and then after that, you come out of that setting, that environment, the person you're learning from is someone who's already there. So if you have any issues in troubleshooting, if you have that question about social media and you didn't know how to create that live that you wanted to do, you can always go back to your colleague and ask these questions. You have that coach in that sense to always be there to support you. Right. So that's the beauty of having someone who's already in the working environment in the organization to, uh, you know, to you know, help each other out in, in this kind of settings. So the competencies increase, the bond also increases because the more you interact with one another, you realize the differences, you realize the nuances, you realize the similarities and the work ethics and more conversation happens. And this also busts the common stereotypes that people have. So all of these are really important in building the team together, bonding them together. And then after they've done that three months, switch it up, switch it up with another person and another partner. And repeating this process makes it a really good um, habit, right? Or organizational structure that you can have that will, you know, make people feel like, yes, I feel like my manager is really taking care of me and other people delegating the work to other people to reinforce the bond uh, within the team, yeah. I like the idea of that a lot. I think it's um, a good and also refreshing it every on a fairly frequent basis. So everybody in the organization is learning from that exactly. process, which yeah. has been a top um, trait from all the leaders we've had on the podcast is that consistent learning. Yeah. Well, yeah. Always striving to achieve more and not achieve more, but learn more is probably a, a better way to put yeah. it, yeah. I was going to say, there's a lot of things you said there, Vivek, which I can definitely um, 
I've definitely experienced in, in the role where I currently work. So I, I currently work in a, in a technology startup and there's so many things there that which I've seen happen in place. And I've always said like, how good I think the culture is there. And I think at the moment, there's like a challenge for a lot of startups to like hire like really good people into their organization. I feel like they're always, they're looking to sort of like build out a really good culture um, and make sure kind of everyone is like happy and there's good employee well-being and things like that. What would you say could be like three, perhaps like practical things that people would do kind of now, like a leader in one of these startups, they could be like, right, these are three things that I can implement that are going to satisfy the millennials, they're going to improve employee well-being, they're going to kind of make people feel happy and perhaps um, deliver on some of those points that you just mentioned. Okay, so three key things that leaders can do right away so that they can engage with millennials better, okay? The first thing I would say is to uh, actually ask them and have a conversation about your bucket list, right? So millennials are more, not so much about having status symbols like cars or condominiums or credit cards or clubhouses, right? Uh, or being part of those, but rather they are more of a status updates, right? So what can I put on Instagram? Is this Instagram worthy? Is this TikTok worthy? Right. Is this something that will get a lot of likes and comments? That's the, one of the key motivations that they have. And that comes from the kind of experiences that they have. So if you have a millennial in your team or a Gen Z in your team, ask them what's on your bucket list. What are all the different kinds of things that you want to do in your bucket list uh, professionally and personally? Right. So what are some things you want to do outside of work? What are some things you want to explore within the workplace? So having this conversation alone or even doing the activity of creating that bucket list alone, we'll get to see another side of the person that we normally don't see. The beauty of this is you can also do this via Zoom. You don't actually have to meet up, right? But having this uh, you know, uh, done online, you can you know, Google for ideas, you can come up with a list, you can exchange the list, and you can ask questions about the list. So I see that you've done this. Why did you choose to do this this way? Why do you want to do this? What's the story behind that, right? So if someone says, I want to get a tattoo, right? Uh, live life dangerously. Why do you want to do that? What's the story behind that? It creates conversations. So that's step number one, right? Identify what's on their bucket list. The second thing uh, that leaders need to learn is how do you give feedback that is inspiring for people to take action on? So last time, the common saying is no feedback is good feedback. Right? That means you don't really want feedback. Feedback usually means uh, you've done something wrong. But the younger generation, they crave for affirmation and appreciation. So how can you give feedback that inspires people? So there is this thing called the, what we call the uh, post-it technique. So all you have to do is grab a post-it, right? Uh, let's say you are my uh, direct report. What I'll tell you to do is grab a post-it, write down five pointers, three positive, two negative, right? Uh, just one word to describe how the week went uh, and then we will exchange these post-its. So let's say you, uh, I've written down punctuality, I've written down hard work, quality, presentation, and uh, relationship, okay? So these are five words. There's no context behind these words. So when we exchange these post-its, I'll briefly look through these things, and then we'll start sharing. What does point one mean? What does punctuality mean? Did you like that I am more punctual? Do you feel that, you know, be being overly communicative of uh, being on the meetings ahead of time, right? Uh, being more assertive was uh, something that you liked, right? So you share those points with one another just based on those notes on the post-it. This doesn't take a lot of time, barely five to 10 minutes, but it's a very powerful technique that 
leaders can use to engage with the younger generation. And it is something that you can collect. So these post-its, you just collect it and you can see what's the level of conversation you're having over the long run, right? So you basically can track and see that, you know, okay, I am working on those issues that I need to work on. It helps them to highlight. And it is pretty inspiring in the sense that you get to create a, a level of curiosity when you just put one word instead of stringing a whole lot of sentences that eventually make people feel like, oh no, this is not going well, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So that's what you want to do. The last thing that I would say, the third and final thing that I would say uh, is um, really to be more flexible, especially in today's uh, day and age. Um, people are going through a lot uh, and um, you know, having that flexibility and the ability to tell people, hey, if you need to take a break, take a break. You know, um, I just am willing to be here. If you need a listening ear, you know, please do reach out and having these common check-ins and letting people know that you know, within your care, if you have any feeling any kind of issue, I'm going to provide you with that psychological safety. So if people are afraid to say, I don't know, or if people are afraid to say, I made a mistake, that means they don't really see any psychological safety under your leadership. So how can we provide that kind of psychological safety within your team by being more flexible, being more friendly, and using uh, you know, these kind of uh, small, small things to make a bigger difference within the teams? Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Thanks. I think those are, those are things that, you know, you can easily implement, but I'm sure will have like a big impact on, you know, employee well-being, how people feel and like actually, you know, feel like they're, they're being cared about by their, by their leaders. So that's awesome. Thanks very much for sharing. Vivek, have you tried these with um, older generations? Because I think these are techniques that would work equally, equally well um, with older um, generations than maybe just the ones that you've talked about. Have you tried it with different age groups? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is something we teach the leaders. So the leaders have to try it out themselves. And then they, and then what they do is then they do it with uh, the younger generation. So we are actually equipping all leaders to do this uh, within their teams uh, and regardless of the generation so that, you know, you, the whole idea is to bring everyone together and to make sure everyone feels listened to and understood. So it's not, it's not specifically for this generation, but having these new ways to overcome the current situation or the problems really helps because the younger generation, they tend to feel really afraid of, okay, meet me in the office. I've got some feedback for you. Yes. <laughs> Creates anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> but if I sit down with you at a coffee shop, hey, here's a post-it note, you know, um, just write down, you know, five points, three good, two bad about this week, right? It makes it a little bit more informal. And yeah. I think, you know, why it used to be that way is because, you know, the, the times were different back then. A lot of things have changed. The, the key question is, are leaders adapting? Are, are leaders willing to change their ways to fit in or to, to kind of be innovative in how they lead their team? Yeah, that's the, that's the key question here. Yeah. And that's a, good, a really good challenge because we all know we're living in a very fast-paced um, world and we all have to adapt to that. And that includes leadership. And Definitely. you would give that message back to the army, I guess. <laughs> yes, I actually <laughs> recommend them to, to really look into, because the, back then, um, the, the mindset is that we don't need to talk about these things. We are part of the army. But I believe that, you know, with mindfulness coming to the front, right, with, uh, you know, people being much more open about these issues, about loneliness, about burnout, about, you know, stress at the work, anxiety, right, um, 
as people are having more conversations and feel like it's okay to have these conversations, yeah. it's time for us to really look deeper into this and explore the topic uh, at hand. Yeah. I think you're right. There is much more openness about these topics now. And they're topics that were taboo maybe you know, 10, 20 years ago and now being openly debated and discussed, which is really healthy. And you know, it, to have that in the workplace as well is also equally um, important and essential. So great work you're doing there to kind of really encourage that level of openness and honesty in the workplace. And I think some of the things that you've talked about, talked about relate to kind of having that emotional intelligence, being empathetic. You know, you may be the leader, but you may also be going through your own challenges as well. So how open would you encourage a leader to be about their own personal challenges showing their own vulnerabilities? Well, um, at this stage, I would say the better it is better for you to be vulnerable um, because um, keeping it inside is like blowing into a balloon and not stopping. So eventually there's going to be an outbreak or an outburst, right? So uh, I believe this is all true. That the, it has been true for a long while, except that last time maybe the outlet was probably at the family. We, we get the stress from work and then we let it out outside but if we can let off the pressure from the pressure cooker on a regular basis at least it allows people to cope much better so by being vulnerable basically means that you know i trust you to keep in confidence whatever i'm sharing with you and i feel that level of safety now um there has to be a lot of trust within the team for people to start opening up and leaders can actually be the role model by starting out first they can start sharing stories about you know what are the issues that they are facing what are the challenges they faced in the past and that allows people to understand who this leader is what he values what are his ways of working what are his thought processes and belief systems and sharing those things uh, whatever happened in the past or whatever is currently happening will actually build uh, uh, the level of trust that people need to to then step up and share what they are going through, right? So if leaders don't take the first step and we just ask them to do something, then they'll be like, why don't you start first? <laughs> right? I think Millennials will ask you, <laughs> yeah, why don't uh, you start first? Yeah. That's great. Leaders should share that equally, um, what's happening with them and what they're going through. I think that's great. And that's a lesson I learned um, a hard way when I was about to lose a really big um, contract. And I thought, oh my goodness, I mean, I can't, we can't, don't want to lose this. Um, I have to be very open with the team and say we're very we're about to lose it. So all will come together to help me um, get some new ideas to to overcome this. Mm -hmm. And all of that is in my book called Winning Big in Sales, where I talk about growing a business to quite a significant scale, having a thousand employees. And anybody who's interested in hearing how I shared that technique with my team to keep the contract um, going and win lots of other contracts they can go to the website rjen.co.uk and get a free copy of the book and hear about that. There is a small um, postage and package fee that goes along with that. But as we wrap up now, Vivek, it would be great to hear more about what exciting projects you have on the go, what, what you're doing, and share that with our listeners. So I'm sure we'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I was just about to say, you know, back then leaders didn't have access to podcasts like these. 
to listen to the different kinds of insights you get from people. So we've kind of done a collective wisdom <laughs> uh, with uh, these kind of, and that's the power of technology, right? We, you are in the UK, I'm in Singapore, and we are sharing stuff about leadership today across across uh, so many hours, <laughs> right? So so that's really great. Uh, what I'm working on currently, or what just really uh, happened recently, is I've launched my book, um, Engaging Millennials. I don't know if you can see it. Yep. This is uh, the book. It's uh, published by Penguin Random House. So it's something that I've written for leaders to look into how they can, different ideas to engage with the younger generation as they seem to be needing a different way of uh, motivations, different kind, they bring different competencies and strengths to the table, right? So how do you really engage with the younger generation so that they they stay longer and be more productive uh, within the workforce? So that's that's the basic thing. You can get this at, if you just Google it, I think you'll find the website uh, to get the book as well. Yeah, so that's the that's the current project that I'm just finished. <laughs> Thank you very much, Vivek. And we'll put a link to your book in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, Vivek. I think you've shared some, you know, hugely uh, practical insights that people can actually go away and implement. And I'm sure will have a massive uh, kind of impact on the culture of their team and their company. Um, and it's been really interesting to hear your thoughts on kind of leading millennials. And um, yeah, I can definitely resonate with a lot of the things that you shared. So it's been a pleasure having you on and, and thank you very much for taking the time to, to share your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you for having me here. Yeah. And as always, thank you to our listeners. Thank you very much for coming in each week, listening to the podcast. And we love sharing um, what other leaders have to say. So if you're interested in being on our podcast, please get in touch. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rjen.co.uk website.